This past week, we all uh, have watched, been kind of glued to the TV, especially really not just in New York, but really all over the country as some men escaped a prison near Plattsburgh. It really, as you think about it, it sounds like the kind of thing you'd see in a movie, doesn't it? It's really incredible. According to one report, those two men cut through a cell wall that included steel that was a quarter inch thick. They maneuvered across the catwalk. They shimmied down six stories to a tunnel of pipes. They followed that tunnel, broke through a double brick wall, cut into a 24-inch steam pipe, made their way through the steam pipe, cut another hole so that they could get out of the pipe, and finally surfaced through a manhole. My understanding is that there was a manhole in a neighborhood that they surfaced through that manhole. And I'm sure we probably will see that story in a movie one day, don't you think? I mean, it's just incredible, just, uh, just what we've heard so far. Of course, right now our priority is praying that they get called, amen? Praying that, uh, that they're found and that they, uh, that, that, that they receive the justice that's due for their crimes. But I want you to think about that story. All the work for many years that have gone into keeping two individuals Bad guys, if you want to think of it that way, criminals, contained. All the work that goes daily for a facility. In fact, my understanding is that that was the first outbreak, that was the first time that prisoners had broken out of that facility in 170 years. Wow! Incredible! Since about 15 years before the Civil War, that facility has been there doing that work, keeping the bad guys in. But somehow, two people found a weak spot. Or two. It's still being investigated. A way to get out. As we think about that, I want us to think about our spiritual lives because it's the same way. Guys, listen. We have an enemy who is evil. And he is constantly looking for the weak spot into our lives. Okay, these guys were trying to get out. But you think about it in a different direction. We have an enemy that is constantly looking for ways to get into our lives. So we've been doing a series called Growing Deeper and Getting Stronger. We've been looking at things that God says will strengthen our lives. So that we can get closer to God. We can move farther away and be protected from the bad stuff of this world and the bad things that are in our lives. I hope that sharing it that way helps you to think about it maybe a little differently than you have so far. Because as we think about growing deeper, as we think about getting stronger, to some extent that sounds optional, doesn't it? That sounds like, you know what, I probably do need to grow deeper in my relationship. I probably do need to get stronger spiritually. I probably need to... Don't you think about it that way? It it sounds like I have a relationship with God, and so here's some things that would help that to get stronger, to help that to get better. So, you know, I really... Those are some nice pointers. Thank you, Pastor Robbie. Thank you, God's Word, for the nice pointers. But I really want to challenge you as we think about that perspective of those criminals. These are not nice pointers. These are not optional, you know, extra add-ons to your life to make it really, really strong spiritually. These are critical survival tips. 
These are things that God is trying to pour into our lives so that we can let Him work all that He wants to do in our lives and so that we can be closer to Him and stronger in our relationship with Him. The one that we're going to talk about this weekend together is especially critical. So I have to say this. Many people do not see what we're going to talk about together in God's Word as critical. Many people see it as something, in fact, that should be left alone by the church. It is not appropriate to talk about that topic. Isn't that an interesting... I wonder what this topic is. I know some of you cheated and looked at your notes already. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. But God says, like those two guys who are constantly looking for that weak spot, this is a way that the enemy gets into our lives. So we're going to talk about it from God's Word. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 7-11. through 11, God tells us in His Word that it matters how we manage our money. One of, the, one of the best things that we can do if we want to watch out for the enemy, if we want to grow closer to God, is to, is to, is to understand how to see and how to use the money that we have in our lives. So let's look at what God's Word says. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, it says, For we have brought nothing into the world... So we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, this is often misquoted. It's not money is the root of all evil. It says, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. That's certainly true, isn't it? And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and have, oddly enough, pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man, you woman of God, and pursue passionately righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. The Bible says that God wants us to think about how we use our money. And it first of all warns us there in verse 7 that we need to see money for what it's worth. In verse 7, he says, For we have brought nothing into the world, so we, it is certain that we can take nothing out of it either. Now, I want you to understand the context because we're jumping in the middle of a letter here. This is a letter that God led the Apostle Paul to write to a young pastor of a church. His name was Timothy. It was a church in Ephesus. And, and God's leading Paul as a mentor, as a, as, a, as a fellow pastor who's further down the road, more experienced as God's servant, to teach Timothy how to warn the people about some things that God says they need to be careful about in their life. That's what's happening in this section. There's some warnings. You can go back. It's an incredible book. In fact, if there's one book in the Bible I've probably read the most, it's probably 1 Timothy, just because of God's call in my life as a pastor. But he gives many warnings that, that Timothy is to pass on to God's people because what he's saying is, here's how God's people had, ought to operate as a church. And so, Timothy, you need to be aware of those things. And just like in our series, he warns them, there's some things, there's some choices that you and I can make that will weaken us. That will hurt us in our relationship with God and will hurt our lives. But he says there's some things that will make you stronger. 
Those are the things that Paul is talking about in these verses. There's some weakening things. There's some strengthening things. This is where the topic of money comes up. Paul says, Timothy, listen. Hear God's command to me as a pastor. You better tell my people about these things. He says it in these verses. You should prescribe and teach these things. Buddy boy, when you stand before God one day, you're going to be accountable for whether you taught my people about these things. So God tells us in verse 7, Timothy, you need to teach the people that we've brought nothing into this world so we can take nothing out of it either. I want you to stop and think about those verses. Especially if money is important to you. And who are we kidding? It's important to all of us, amen? I kind of like having some, amen? If you don't like yours, I'll take yours, amen? You want to look all spiritual and stuff. Don't say amen to that one. But if money is important to you, especially if you, maybe if you're looking for this, if you're really drawn to it, then we need to think about this. Many of us spend our whole lives, listen, focusing on something that one day will be worth absolutely nothing. Money is just printed on paper. And one day it can just be wadded up. It's just no good. Just throw it away. In fact, that was a million dollar bill, which is worthless, okay? It's, it's a witnessing tool that looks like a dollar bill. It is worthless. So now some of you thought I was throwing down a, a, a hundred dollar bill, and so you thought, well, man, I hope he forgets about it, because I'm going to pick it up after the service. <laughs> but now you're just like, I ain't worried about it now. I mean, you told me it's just a piece of paper, right? The Bible says that most people in this world spend our lives Chasing after something that is going to be worthless one day. It won't even be worth the paper that it's written on. And even if it did still have value, there's a problem. They don't let you bring it with you. Have you ever heard the statement that you don't ever see a hearse pulling a U-Haul? You just don't, do you? It's over. He's gone. He's not here anymore. He can't experience these things. He can't have these things. Many of us have heard the statement, he who dies with the most toys wins. No, that's not true. He who dies with the most toys really just dies. Amen? (laughs) If you think about it, some of us are working 12 hours a day, six days a week, Some of us right now, young people, are getting ready for college and putting all sorts of effort in how to get to college and how to pay for college and how to get a good paying job. And to some extent, I'll speak for myself as a parent. I'm glad my kids are thinking about those things. Amen? It's good to get out of the house. It's good to get a job. It's good to pay your own way. Amen? So those aren't bad things, but we have to keep them in perspective. Because if you drop dead right now, I want us to think about this. Maybe you've never even... I know you know this. This, is, this should be common sense. When's the last time you stopped and thought about it this way? If you drop dead right now, you would have exactly as much as the third world 
poorest of poor person has if they drop dead at that very same moment. You would both have exactly the same in your bank account. You would both be taking the same amount with you. It would be absolutely zero. Friends, at the end of the day, we've got to keep it in perspective. Money and all the things that we like to buy with it, because that's really our point, isn't it? It's not that I like cash, that I like paper. I'm obsessed with that. It's that I like the stuff that it gets for me, right? But God says, we've got, listen, here we are floating down this river. That's why God brings us to church. That's why, God, that's why we're in growth groups. That's why we do ministry together. That's why we're involved in one another's lives, because I need to be continually reminded of what's really important. Amen? Because this world, your job, your, your employer, the, everything just continues to, commercials continue to pound us with a totally different message. But we've got to remember, one day it's going to be worthless, absolutely zero, and you can't take it with you even if it wasn't. So it kind of begs the question. Why are we spending so much time on it? Why are we putting so much emphasis on it? I want to challenge you to stop for a moment and consider this. How much of your life, listen friend, how much of your life, how many of your decisions, how much of what you're doing right now with your life, how much of the effort that you're expending in your life, how much of it has to do with acquiring more money or getting more money so that you can have more things? Isn't that a fair question? And I hope you'll be honest between you and God about that. How much of my life is being spent thinking about that topic? And I would say to you that if, if a good part of your life, again, we should spend some of our life thinking about that and, that, and that is godly, that is spiritual, amen? Getting a job, paying our bills, feeding our family, all those things we'll talk about in just a minute. But if this is too much of an emphasis in my life, I would say to you that that is a huge factor in your life. It is probably dramatically affecting whether or not you are experiencing God's plan for your life. Are you seeing money for all it's worth? And it is worth something. But is it, does it have too prominent of a place in your life? We say, well, Lord, how am I supposed to see it? How, how, how does this get my life off track? So it says in verse 8, he says, okay, I'm going to give you a good perspective. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. The Bible tells us that money is used for. But it should be used for the basic purposes that God has given it to us for. Okay, he says if we have food and covering, clothes and, and probably shelter included there too, that we should be content. Much of the world today is surviving. Much of the world would say absolutely. If I've got food today, if I've got clothes, if I've got somewhere to stay, I mean, I'm glad to have those. Fortunately, as Americans, most Americans do not live like that. Maybe I should say most Americans aren't forced to live like that. Well, maybe we should live like that, right? So again, God and His Word is cutting through. Other cultures have other challenges, amen? But in our culture, of all cultures in the world today, 
you could make the case, our culture very easily, our culture of any culture ever on this earth, if you live in this culture, you are going to be challenged to think that way. It's very difficult. What is really necessary for my life? Maybe we could put it this way. When I go to work, what am I really working for? Okay, there are some good reasons, aren't there? I want to give you three reasons that we can find in God's Word that He's given us to work. What is it that we're working for? You can write these down. First of all, give it. Secondly, spend it. Thirdly, grow it. So let's talk about those. First of all, give it. Now, most of us would probably say this. Okay, Pastor Robbie, I'm, I'm going to roll with you because you're the one kind of leading this thing. But I've got to be honest with you. My number two is my number one. Okay, it's the spend it one. Okay, but I'm going to go with you for just a second. And I'm not even talking about what I want. I'm just saying that I work so that I can take care of meeting my needs. That's my number one. Okay, I want to challenge your thinking from God's Word. Many of us need to change our view of giving. Because many of us think of our giving in the context of donations. God is at work in this world. And I want to be a part. I see some good things happening and I want to be a part of those things. So after I use what I need to use, I'll see what I can donate. Isn't that how most of us would think? And we feel good about that. I, I had some money, I used it for what I needed, and then I donate some things for other good causes. But I want to challenge you. that That does not appear to be the perspective of God's Word. I want to give you three words that we should think about. Worship, faith, and obedience. Okay, let me talk about each one. Worship. The Bible says that God is the one who gave me the ability to work. Did you know that? Because somebody, somebody might be here and you might say, well, you're, you're, you know, it sounds all good to say God gives you the money, but I know good and well I'm the one that worked those 40 hours. I know good and well that I'm the one that sweated. I know good and well I'm the one that made the choice to get up at 6 a.m. to work to 6 p.m. to work, you know, all those shifts. But that's actually not true. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you power to make wealth. It is God who gives you and me the ability, the strength, the power to produce, that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to, your, swore to your fathers as it is to this day. God gave you the health. God gave you the educational opportunities. God gave you the natural talents, the abilities, the giftedness. God gave you the drive that is in you. God gave you good examples and parents. Whatever it might be, your experiences, God gave all that to you. So listen, just like I pray before I eat, why do I do that? Don't say because we're supposed to. If that's the reason, then you need to kind of take it a step further, all right? Why do we pray before we eat? Because we pause. And we say, we're about to receive some bounty. I think about it many times. Because of this perspective, I, I've tried to discipline myself that there is no guarantee, earthly guarantee, that this stuff would be sitting on my table. It is only because my gracious God decides that He loves me enough to provide for my needs that we're putting this in our mouth tonight. Seriously, you should think about it that way. We're stopping. In fact, sometimes people make fun of me. You forgot to pray about the food. You know, no, I didn't. 
I stop sometimes and I just worship. Now, I keep it to a minimum because Drew and I are really excited about eating something. Amen? But sometimes I don't just say thank you for this food because that just sounds like a, 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 a habit that we're going through, right? Sometimes I just pause and this is just a good opportunity to say, I love you, Lord. Thank you for a good day. Thank you for these people that I love that are sitting around this table. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure sometimes my family like, you forgot to pray for the food. Dad. No, I didn't. I'm just worshiping God. I just took an opportunity because I'm looking at provision it reminds me of my great God. So shouldn't our money be the same way? Shouldn't our check be the same way? As soon as we get it, shouldn't we say immediately, I am acknowledging God who gave me this. He even gave me the ability to do this. Then there's faith. That I'm going to give to God first, trusting. Okay, now listen. See, we think about it wrong. We think about it as, okay, there's this pool and i got to take out of it and Hopefully, I have a little bit to give to God. That sounds, like, that sounds like incredible just love and devotion, doesn't it? That I'll give God my leftovers. And I don't think many of us feel that way about it, but I think God maybe wants to challenge you with that. To take it another step in your spiritual walk, that I'm trusting God. The first thing I write is I write to God to support His work because I'm trusting that my God is going to give me enough that 90% of what, of what He gave me is going to be enough to do whatever He needs to do and wants to do in my life. Instead of saying, I've got this stuff to deal with and I'll give him some later. It's a step of faith, isn't it? The Bible says that God honors people like that. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth. See that? It's honoring God, isn't it? We stop and we first say, God, I want to give to you. And from the first of all your produce, okay, from the first of all your fruit, from the first of all your increase, Whenever I, got, whenever I get more than I had five minutes ago, I give a portion to God. Because every time God increases me, I, I want to think about it. I give God a cut off the top. Because I love Him, and I want to worship Him, and I want to trust Him. And then obedience, write that down. God tells me to tithe, to give Him the tithe, 10%. And I'm going to do that out of obedience. and not The Bible says, and not steal from His work. The Bible says in Malachi 3, verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. If I came in or not, I said, Some of you are robbing God. You'll say, I'm appalled. I'm offended. What do you mean? That's what they were saying. God said, You're robbing me. And they said, God, how? How are you robbing me? He said, In tithes and offerings. Listen, we would never think about it this way, but we need to. When the offering goes by during the service, there's nobody, I would hope, in this room who would stick your hand in there and take some out. Can you even imagine? But that's what God compares not giving to His work. That I may have, well, just as well, taken some out. Because I am, listen, and we need to have a picture of this, okay? We are partners together in this thing, Amen. Listen, follow this. The sovereign God of the universe knows all the people that are going to be a part of New Hope Community Church. He gives us the ability to produce. And He knows that if I give faithfully my part, you give faithfully your part, every person in this room, every person is part of New Hope. If we give faithfully our, our part, God knows that will be exactly enough to do what God wants to do in this community through this church. 
So you should see it as, I'm stealing from that. I'm holding back from that. That is literally what God says. If you're not approaching your money this way, that could be one of the biggest reasons your finances are sideways. Give to the Lord first, then you spend, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. Remember, worship, faith, and obedience. I know some of you talking back to me. That's fine. That's fine. But you ain't talking back to me. I'm just going to challenge you to trust God on this. Because if you're not willing to trust Him in this, don't be surprised if your finances are not right. Don't be surprised if it feels like something is missing in your spiritual growth, if there's a blessing that's missing. And one day we're going to have to give an account to God for that. I'm telling you, the strongest Christians I know are faithful to give to God first. And I want to challenge you with this before we move. Don't negotiate with God. Don't, well, I'll give to Him later. I, 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 I will when I can afford it. Because you never will. I want to challenge you. Just trust God. He even says in Malachi 3, I dare you. I dare you to trust me. And by the way, just a different angle on this. Malachi chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Why don't you try giving to the IRS the same way that you give to me? Why don't you treat your giving to your, your, your electric bill the same way that you give to me? Why are you treating me less than your governor, is what it says in Malachi chapter 1. You wouldn't dare not give the IRS in a, in a week or so, right? Why? Because I'm scared of them. Amen? Why don't you respect God that much? Okay, so the Bible says to give it, but then it says to spend it. To spend it, we could say wisely. Okay, obviously, this is one of the primary reasons that God gives us money. God gives us money to provide for our needs and to provide for the needs of our families. And I would encourage you to think about it like this. God provides what we need. That's the basics. Sometimes, even many times, He gives us even more of the blessings. Isn't that true? It's not just bread and water. God could just give us bread and water. But He gives us better than bread and water usually. Amen? And in order to be good stewards... And make wise decisions with that. that God has entrusted you. I would encourage you to do some things. Be wise with that. God is giving you some things. So listen. Watch over it. Do some budgeting. Do some, think about what comes in. Have close oversight of what's coming in, what's going out. Balance your checkbook. I can't believe how many people tell me that they never balance their checkbook. And I, whatever, whatever. If you make it work, whatever. That would drive me crazy. I do not know where we're at. Amen? I do not know where we're at. They could come get our stuff. They could come get us. Listen, for many of us, we just were never taught. Okay, and that's fine. But it's time to take steps forward. For many of us, it's look, just go make a bunch. Keep putting it in. Go make a bunch. Keep putting it in. And as you're spending, just kind of, and many of you, every night, you're looking at the checkbook, you know, you're looking at the bank statement. Is it still over? Is it still over? Is it still over? Right? That's the way we look at it. It's just as long as there's more in there than I'm spending, then I guess we're okay. Until the next check. And if there seems to be a, a whole lot more, I might go buy something. I might could go buy something. What? 
I'd be afraid to buy that thing. Amen? I don't know if I have to balance your checkbook. Amen? A better plan is to know how much we have coming in, to know how much we have going out, to know what the difference is, and to keep up with it. Included in that is some reasonable emergency kind of, you know, there's, although be careful about that because some people are emergency for the next thousand years. But, I mean, there's, there, you know, financial counselors, you know, at least three months, maybe six months. I mean, to some extent we need to trust God. But, but I mean, there is some wisdom that God gives in putting some things aside for maybe some things like that. And by the way, there's a ministry that will help you with these things. It's called Crown. Go to crown.org, an incredible ministry, great financial Christian ministry that will incredibly help you. Okay, and if we think about it that way, that allows us to, number three, grow it. Okay, some might call this save it. But I think this includes more than just savings. It includes the idea of investment and growth. Okay, so basically what the Bible tells me, now listen, God says, fund my work in this world, make sure your needs and the needs of your family are met, then grow the rest if there's any left over. And that's a big if, amen? But if there's any left over, grow it in other ways. Now that could be your retirement. Because there's some wisdom in that I'm producing now, but I won't be able to produce as much later, right? Okay, now some of us probably take that too far. I don't think most of us have that problem. I don't think most of us are just like all set with retirement. But some people take that too far. Some people want to have, you know, like whatever, an exorbitant amount. It might be to bless your kids. Be, I'm working hard, I'm making a good living, and one day I'd like to pass on like a nest egg to my kids, although I will tell you that many people warn against this. Many people say, be, be very careful about giving your kids a windfall one day. Why should you set your money aside that, that you would spend wisely because you made it to let somebody go blow one day just for fun? Sorry, kids, I'm not trying to throw you on the bus. But remember, I'm a kid too still, so I'm throwing myself under the bus. Just be thoughtful about that. But I think a better way of seeing it, whether it's retirement, whether it's investing, is expansion. And especially using your money to expand God's kingdom. Being a blessing. We pay our tithes, but we also give our free will offerings above that as God leads us to. Friends, this is the point. Matthew 25, verse 27. God grows things. And if we're following God, we have a desire to grow things too. We have a desire to take what He's given us and see it do more. Amen? I want to see it do more. And really, when you break it all down, those are the main reasons that we need money. Those are the main things we're to do with it. Now, I want to stop and pay attention to something before we move on. Much of what we, listen, much of what we work for and focus on as Americans is a subset of number two. Number two was to spend it. But we said, God says, the main reason He gives us number two to spend it is to take care of our needs, right? But we spend much of our time trying to produce more extra blessings. We tend to focus more on the blessings than the basics. Now again, if God blesses you, it doesn't mean it's a sin to be rich. We're going to talk about it here in just a minute. 
If God blesses you, if you're good at producing or whatever, that's not something to feel guilty about. It's not something to feel guilty about, especially if you're blessing your kids, or you're blessing other people, you're having fun, those kind of things. As long as it's wisdom, as long as it's wise management, all those kind of things. It's not even, a, it's not even wrong sometimes for God just to give you something because He loves you, okay? And sometimes just to receive it. Amen? But I would tend to have that attitude more often. I'm God's kid. And he just wants to bless me. That's the attitude we have rather than thinking of that less often. And I would just challenge you, that might be one of the biggest issues with our money. Are we focusing on producing resources primarily for what really are more blessings over and above the basics than we are the other things that God says? That leads us to the last thing. In verses 9-11, through 11, don't become enslaved to it. The Bible says that we need to see it for what it's worth. Okay, we didn't bring it in. We ain't taking it with us. Okay, we need to use it for the basics. To give it, to spend it, to invest it, to grow it, however you want to put that. We also got to be real careful about it. Because in verses 9 through 11, it says, But those who want to get rich fall into some temptations. They fall into some, some traps. A snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from God, from the faith, and pierced themselves with many griefs. It does not say that those who are rich fall into danger. In these verses, what it says is those who want to get rich. Okay, that could be somebody who's rich. And who's been working hard to get there. Listen, because some of you here, you say, well, I ain't rich, so this ain't talking to me. If you're not rich, but you want to be, God just kind of corners you. Because many of us would say, Pastor Robbie, I'm not rich by any stretch. And I actually, I'm not wanting to be rich. Okay, let's be thoughtful for a second. Because we may have in our mind, you know, Robin Williams and the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. You know, we, we got that in our mind. That that's, y'all remember that show? Robin Leach, not Robin Williams. All right. We have in our mind, that's what rich is. But let me just put it this way. So we don't get ourselves off the hook. Maybe it's better to think about it like this. Those who want a lot of money get into a lot of trouble. Now, if we're honest, wouldn't all of us say that we'd like to have a little bit more money? Isn't that a struggle that we face? Absolutely. Somebody said money can't buy happiness, but it can significantly improve the quality of your misery. <laughs> I like that statement. That's kind of going against the message, so I, I digress. God's Word says that's not right. God's Word says caution. Caution, danger. If you lean in that direction, let me ask you a few questions. Are you working hard to put a reasonable roof over your head? Or are you working real hard to put a preferred roof over your head? Or an extra roof over your head? That doesn't mean if you have a nice house that you're sinning. That doesn't mean if you have an extra house that you're sinning. Okay, it's just asking, are you working, are you overworking even, 
for things that God says are wrong pursuits? Are you working hard to provide for the basic needs for your family? Or honestly, are you working hard to give extra things that you just want? Maybe this is a better question. Listen, parents. Are you working really hard so that your kids will be, will just get the greatest American experience? Honestly, think about it. There's some things that, that our culture has told us. If you don't do this with your kids before they're 18, you are a failure. If you don't take them certain places, if you don't give them certain things, if they don't have certain experiences, then you're not a good parent. So you need to ask yourself, is that what God's Word teaches? If I'm working for those things, is that a right motivation? Are you using a credit card for either? For either needs or wants? You know what? The numbers range between five and fifteen thousand. The average American has between five, somewhere between five and fifteen thousand dollars in credit card debt. Wow, that includes many of us in this room, and, and some have more. You shouldn't use credit cards for basic needs. If you're having to use a credit card to go to the grocery store, then listen, friend. There's another way. Because God does not lead His children into bondage. That's not God's provision for you. Trust Him for something else. Because that, that, that will stop quickly. It may happen for a week or two, but if you're using credit cards for the basics, that's going to come to an end very quickly. You're just putting off the inevitable of something else that needs to happen. But listen, if you're using credit cards for extra, that's not really wise. So you ask, well, when's a good time to use a credit card? Hmm. That's a good question. In our society, unless you live dramatically different, and some people are choosing to live that way, you almost have to use credit for a house, or for a car sometimes, or for college education. Well, listen, there are many people who are saying, but do I have to? Let me just challenge you to think about a few things. Could you possibly buy the previous model instead of the one that just came out? In fact, I think there's some wisdom in that sometimes. The thing that just came out, I'd like for you to buy it first, figure out the bugs. I'll get the second or third generation. See, because second or third generation is usually about the best. Fourth, fifth, and sixth is just the second or third was working really good and they just had to add some things so you'd keep buying it. Did you know that? If you buy about three or four model, you're probably pretty good for a while. Maybe buy something that's used. Maybe wait for a while. Maybe read Consumer Reports. Shop for a better deal. Go to a different place. I saw something today. I was at a store. I was convinced. I need that. I want that. It's going to happen. I'm taking it home. The Lord just said to me, that's too much for that. So, Lord, I don't have all day for this. I've already been to three stores. This is the only store that has even had it. I need it. I did really, really kind of need it. No, no, really, I did. I'm not kidding. This was something that I needed. Now, back off, all right? You're missing the point. The point is, it was too expensive. I went to one more store, and it was half the price. It was a good price. So I bought it. 
Go to yard sales. Wait for off-seasons. Pray. Trust God to provide. Be creative. Have fun. Or even imagine this. Just don't have one. I know a gasp goes across the room. (laughs) Seriously, people do that? People actually don't get things? Yes. Sometimes I actually have fun being that person. Just being odd. Amen? Everybody's got one. I don't. Just be thoughtful of what God's Word teaches us here. Because God's Word, look at what it says. It says those who want to get rich, those who want more money, those who want more things, they have more temptations in their life. I don't need any more temptations. Amen? They have a snare, a noose, a trap is set for them, and they get hurt. That sounds exciting, being strung up by your toes. That's just what I need in my life. Amen? A trap to set for myself. They have many foolish and harmful desires. The Bible says that pursuing these things in this way produces a lot of wants in my life that don't make sense and get me hurt. Number four, it it says that, that, that we are drowned or we are plunged into pain and ruin or destruction. Who wants to be baptized into pain and ruin and destruction? Number five, it says, it is a root of all sorts of other problems and evil in our lives. Just wanting more, just wanting more, just wanting more produces a lot of other stuff. Number six, some people have even moved away from God because of it. So instead, listen, friend, don't just be aware of that and kind of be mindful of it. You know what it says? Look at verse 11. It says, but flee these things. When I was about 18 years old, I sat down with a godly pastor who allowed me to preach at his church. He said, Rob, I want to sit down with you. I want to read you 1 Timothy chapter 4, 6, verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from these things. Flee means to get out of there. It may, it's like somebody that is a refugee fleeing from a country. Stay far away from that garbage. It is not good for you. Listen, the Bible's not just a bunch of negatives. Flee those things. Just don't even go there with your life. But pursue. This word pursue is a strong word. It means follow hard after. It's almost actually it can be used for persecution. It's somebody that is in hot pursuit. Anybody been watching the Bible thing on on Sunday nights? Okay. The the Apostle Paul, before it was Paul, it was Saul, and he was pursuing Christians. He was chasing them down. He was trying to kill them. But then when he got saved, when he gave his life to Jesus, he was pursuing God. He was pursuing, he he was chasing after. That guy is in hot pursuit of God's purpose for his life. That would be a good description of my life. And I want to ask you, is that a good description of your life? Are you friendly towards Jesus or are you in hot pursuit? In fact, to some extent, if you're in hot pursuit for Jesus, you don't have time for those things. I'm too busy. Now, let's don't kid ourselves. Nobody's above temptation, amen? But I'm just saying, you don't have time for a lot of things that would get you off track because you're focused on God's mission for your life. most Americans have an expectation in this area of our lives that gets us into a lot of trouble. So I just want to challenge you to consider this. 
Is God wanting you to have a radical change of thinking and living? You need to see your money for what it's worth. Not a lot. It has some value now. There's some verses that are up on the screen. Luke 16, verse 9. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 20. That's how you ought to approach money. This piece of paper, if it was real money, has value right now, but it won't one day. So with those two passages, that Luke 16, 9 and Matthew 6, 19 to 20, they say, while it has value, use it for eternal things. So then when they throw it away, you'll still have the eternal stuff. Isn't that awesome? That's a very smart investor. Amen? This thing, actually, I found out that it's losing its value. But right now, I'm buying up a bunch of it. And when it's gone, or a bunch of, a bunch of something with it, but when it's gone, I'll still have my stuff. That's what the Bible says. Squeeze it. Use it for God's kingdom and for God's glory. Would you pray with me? Here's a simple, straightforward question. Are you using your money or is it using you? I think that's probably a good summary of what God's trying to say to us. Would you ask the Lord to speak to you about what He's given you and how you're using it? And how He's calling you to grow in that area? There might be someone in this room that you've spent your whole life pursuing money. Trying to get more, trying to be secure. But really, that's just been an indicator that you're running from God. speaking to you today. He's doing you a favor. That thing that you're chasing is, a, is, a, is elusive. The Bible says it soon flies away. Our lives and, and the things of this world, they're so brief, they're so fleeting. So would you invest in something eternal? Would you give your life to God? Would you say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you right now? I ask you to forgive me for the wrong pursuits of my life. The choices that I've made, the people that I've hurt. God, have mercy on me. I want to be born again. I want to be a brand new person in Christ. Thank you, God, that you've promised to save a person who calls upon your name. Help your children, Lord. Help us not be lulled to sleep by the things of this world and certainly this is one of the strongest please help us to be set free not to let this money use us but for us to use it for your kingdom and your glory in Jesus name we pray these things